Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. This predestined series has actually personally meant so much to, to me. It's been forming me and transforming me. How many people have been blessed by this series? It's doing a deep work in you. And can we just honor our lead pastors by pioneering this space, by teaching us theology, how we should relate to God and how God relates to us. Yeah, you can do a little bit better than that because they are not just preachers of the word, they are practitioners. This past week, they celebrated 21 years of marriage. I don't know what we'll preach, but to me, and in my house, that speaks volumes. So we are so grateful and we are celebrating with you this past week. What did a phenomenal milestone Marriage is a good thing. Marriage is, we were just at a wedding yesterday. It's a, it's a symbol of God's covenant towards us and it's meant to be celebrated. It's meant to be a commitment and a covenant. And so I love that. Last week we learned about election that God chose you. Isn't that so cool that you weren't in an accident? He predestined you, he foreknew you and he chose you, and this is so important because he's for you. No matter what is against you, because he's for you, even those things that are against you, he can work for your good, for your good, for your good. Actually, Romans 8, 28, our series verse says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who called, he justified. I have the distinct privilege to be able to speak on the doctrine of justification today. And I want to read just a couple more passages before we take our seat. Is it okay if we read the Bible this morning? See, because you got to pay attention here. Romans 5.1 says this as we unpack justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by works. Oh, you got to read your Bible. You can't just take my word for it. Therefore, since we've been justified by our net worth. Oh, okay. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That's so important that you understand that you are justified by faith alone because there's other religions, there's other movements, there's other churches that will preach that you are justified by works. And that's not what the Bible says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of glory of God. One more passage. I want to take you to Genesis 15:1. Genesis 15:1. Because if you read through Romans, Paul would constantly reference Abraham, who is the father of our faith and the model of justification by faith alone. It says this: After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless and the heir of my house, Eliza of Damascus? And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him in that moment. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Pause. 
What a great tool. You should put that in your toolkit. If you're ever feeling despair, if you're ever feeling discouraged, why don't you look towards heaven? Not the finite things, not the temporary things of this world, but the eternal things of God. And number the stars, if you can even number them, so shall your offspring be. And check this out, verse 6. And he believed the Lord. And watch. And he counted it to him as righteousness. He didn't do anything else. He didn't get circumcised. He didn't do anything specifically for God, but simply believe. And it says that it was counted to him as righteousness. So we're getting our doctrine right. We're getting our theology, our understanding of God right. And we're starting to understand that we are justified by faith alone. But my question that I want to tackle today is, if I'm justified by faith, how much faith do I need? I'm gonna tackle that topic with a sermon I'm entitling, Justification Through Jesus Who Sorts Through the Pieces. Oh, you didn't know I can rhyme, now you know. You're welcome, let me pray. Lord God, we thank you, God, that you're supreme over the Super Bowl, you're greater than the Grammys. We thank you, God, that you're in this place because we invited you, and we thank you, God, that there are seekers of you, and your word says that as we knock, you are faithful to open the door, not because we have a fancy knock, but you are faithful to be a door opener. So we thank you, Jesus. Would you not let this be about behavior modification, but heart and mind transformation. In your name we pray, everybody said amen and amen. Give God glory one more time. Why don't you high five five people before you take your seats in the presence of God. So if you're just getting to know me, uh, my name is Vance, and I'm married to my wife, Kim, and we have four kids. We have four kids under the age of seven, so you can add me to your prayer list. But it's been fun. Uh, many people have been telling me, telling me lately that it just happens like a blink of an eye, and it is so true because my eldest daughter, Lennox Olivia Roush, she is seven years old, and she just joined her first basketball league. And I got to tell you, she's a star. She is literally a star. I tell you that because we justify ourselves as parents by saying that. She is a star. She's literally like about to join the WNBA. I am convinced of it. It is real. Literally yesterday, she, she played. She was one of the top scorers. She reminds me of me. Because your boy played high school varsity basketball, starting shooting guard like an Asian Steph Curry. I'm telling you, I played against players that ended up going to the NBA. This player, his name was Isaiah Thomas in high school, and he ended up going to the NBA. Not the older one, the younger, shorter one. If you know, you know. But, but I played against him in high school. He scored 35 points on me, but that's not the point. Because when he went to the NBA, he scored 40 points on people. So my deduction is that I deserve to be in the NBA. That's my justification, and I'm sticking to it. No, seriously, though, um, I probably deserve to be in the NBA. I, I don't want to, like, make this about me, but I had the skills to pay the bills, and I had 
a good handle. I had a great shot. I knew how to facilitate my teammates and get them the ball, get them the assist. I had pretty much everything down except one thing. I could not dunk. Like I didn't have hops. I had no bounce, as they say. My friends actually said I had a credit card vertical. That means when I went to jump, I can only get as high as the thickness of a credit card. That's called bullying. <laughs> and so it all stuck with me, you know, like what could have been. And so a few years ago, I actually set on this mission to be able to dunk a basketball, okay? Like I literally, I, I, I hired a personal trainer. I built a basketball court in my backyard. No, this is for real. Like I literally set my mindset because I wanted to prove to myself that it was possible for me to dunk on a 10-foot NBA regulation hoop. Got the, my mindset right, got my eating right, got my training right, and I put in that work. I'm telling you, I put in that work. And it was so encouraging because literally day after day, week after week, month over month, I was seeing progress. My credit card hops turned into little bunny hops, and my bunny hops turned into kangaroo hops. I started at about eight and a half feet with the basketball hoop, and then I was dunking at eight and three quarters, and then I dunked it on nine feet, and then nine and a half feet, and nine and three quarters, I was able to dunk it, and I just fell short of 10 feet. I didn't make it. I unfortunately never quite made it. I just missed the mark of being able to dunk on a 10-foot hoop. And I share this illustration because I think this is how most of us think about biblical justification. There's something inside of us that thinks we can put in the work and get better. That, that we can put in the effort and get closer that we can put in that grind and see some gains, and I might not be there yet, but surely I'm close. I'm here to tell you today that in terms of biblical justification, or said another way in the Bible, to have right standing with God, this is something you're nowhere near achieving. You're not even close. I'm talking about a holy God. I'm talking about a God who is just, a God who is love, a God who is good, a God who is supreme, a God who is perfect. And to be in right standing with him in your own strength is literally impossible. You haven't almost made it. It's not like you train so hard and almost is, are able to dunk on a 10-foot hoop. It would actually be more like if I were to train so hard and expect I can jump and touch and reach the roof of this auditorium. There is no amount of training. There is no amount of intention. There is no amount of time. And here's, here's the truth. It's not just me, by the way. It's all of us. It doesn't matter your skill set. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your God-given talent. No one can actually, no matter how hard they trained, jump and reach the top of the roof of this auditorium. You could be the greatest jumper in the world. You could be the greatest dunker in the world. You could be the most prolific ball player on the planet, not Michael Jordan, not Vince Carter at his peak, not even LeBron James, maybe in Space Jam, but not even LeBron James in real life could touch the top of the auditorium roof in this building. 
the Bible says it like this, Romans 3.23, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that the understatement of the century? Because you didn't fall short as in you almost made it. You fell short as in the distance between you sitting in that chair and the moon. You're not even close. All right, have a good day. No, <laughs> but why? why? Why are we not even close? Because of sin, the Bible says. Because we make a mess up. We make mistakes. Sin literally means this, to miss the mark, to miss God's standard. And you got to understand this about sin. We don't sin and then become a sinner. We are a sinner that sins. You are a Mark Misser, you have fallen short of the standards. And all my Asian friends right now are getting really uncomfortable because you're used to passing standardized tests. You know ChatGPT? Have you heard of ChatGPT? ChatGPT is uh, this artificial intelligent technology where it is trained all across the internet. And lately, they've been training it on tests, standardized tests. They've been training it on the LSATs. They've been training it on the GMAT. They've been training it on SATs. And it's been passing all of these standardized tests with flying colors. And this was the headline on the New York Times, ChatGPT is Asian. That, that, that's, why, that's why my Asian brethren are uncomfortable right now. Or maybe even my high-achieving Stanford friends are uncomfortable right now. Or maybe you're a grad student. Or maybe you're a PhD. Or maybe you're a manager at Google. I don't know where you're at. But you're used to passing standardized tests. You're used to your achievement. But I'm here to tell you, in the test of moral justification, we all fail. We all fail. And I know... What you're thinking, I know what you're thinking because I think it too. Well, Vance, I'm not trying to pass God's standard. I'm just trying to be a good person. And to that I would say based on what? Because if it's not God's standard, then it's our standard, right? If it's not God's standard, then it's your standard, right? And unfortunately, we don't meet that either. Because you believe lying is wrong, right? But you've probably told a lie. At least you lied to yourself last month when you said you were going to go to the gym every day. I mean, you believe that jealousy is bad, but you've probably scrolled through social media this weekend and gotten frustrated by that friend that's on another vacation or got another promotion. Am I preaching something real? You believe that you shouldn't cheat on your spouse, but Jesus says, even if you look at another with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Unfortunately, we cannot meet God's standards, and I'm here to tell you we can't even meet ours. Romans 7, 21 encapsulates it so perfectly. The words of Paul resonate so much when he says this, I have discovered this principle in life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And if that passage doesn't resonate with you this morning, I don't know if I have much more for you. 
But if you're tired of trying to do it in your own strength, if you're tired of trying to sustain a standard that you were never meant to sustain, if you're lonely in the struggle and the suffering of sin and our sin nature, then maybe this is the moment you lean in a little bit more because I have really good news for you this morning. While there's nothing that you can do to be in right standing with God, while there's nothing that you can do to become righteous, if you believe and receive Jesus, he's declared you righteous. He's declared it. He's declared it. Because while Romans 3.23 says that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, it goes on to say, but we are justified by his grace as a gift through Jesus. And this gift is not something that you could earn. We want to deserve things so bad. It's not something that you can deserve. It's not something that you can train for. It's not something that you can work for. It's a righteousness that he declares and imputes over you. See, this understanding that we have now that there is nothing that we can do to reach God's standard, the good news is that he was not surprised by that. So much so that when Adam, which means when humanity, which means when you and I sinned against God, he enacted at that moment a rescue mission for humanity to be saved through his son Jesus by the sacrifice on the cross. Being good cannot justify you. Doing good works cannot justify you. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can restore. Only Jesus can redeem. Only Jesus can spiritually awaken you. Only Jesus can justify. And if you receive his justification, you are no longer counted in his judgment. And you could be freed from your own. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, don't judge me. Turn to your spouse and tell them, don't judge me. See, see there's, there's several benefits to understanding, receiving, and believing his justification that I want to share with you today that I believe can transform and change your whole life. And the first one is this. Write this down. Number one, receiving justification means receiving your inheritance. Oh, I love that. Can I remind you that God is so good that he wants to bless his children? God is so good that he wants to bless his chosen. God is so good that he wants to bless those he has called and set apart. Yes, he has an incredible inheritance for you. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Colossians 3.24 says, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Hebrews 9.15, check this out. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant. That's what we live in. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. This inheritance doesn't fade. This is not an inheritance that's subject to inflation. This is not an inheritance that is here one day and gone another. This is not a temporary inheritance. This inheritance, the Bible says, is eternal. This inheritance is everlasting. This inheritance is a promise. This inheritance is God's guarantee that whoever believes and receives the Bible also likens inheritance to your portion. 
your heritage. A heritage that is no longer limited by your ethnic background. It's not limited by your family, drama, trauma, daddy or mama. It doesn't matter your upbringing, your neighborhood, your zip code, your area code, your current bank balance, or your stock portfolio. The inheritance that God willingly gives is not subject to the circumstances of this world because it is out of this world. It's not from this world. It transcends this world when the Bible talks about our inheritance. It's not an inheritance like a car that depreciates. It's not an inheritance like a house that ages. It's not any material thing that ultimately will decay. Check this out. Your inheritance is a reservation in heaven. Your inheritance is a reservation in heaven. I don't think you get it yet, but do you know that it is awesome to have reservations at a restaurant? Can I get an amen? Like how many people like reservations, especially at a nice restaurant? We have four foodies in the house. Like what's going on? Um, I love reservations at a nice restaurant. A friend of ours gave us a gift card to a Michelin star restaurant in Los Gatos. And this is the type of restaurant that you got to book like three to four months in advance. That's the type of reservation that you need for this restaurant. And we went in the other week and we entered this restaurant and we saw an older Asian couple and the man was with the hostess. The husband was with the hostess looking super confused because the hostess was telling him, sir, you do not have a reservation. And he was super confused because he had an email confirmation with the restaurant's name on it. But she said, no, no, no. That just means you were on the wait list. <laughs> and she goes on to say, you then need to be selected off the wait list. And because of the type of restaurant this is, you need to pay a deposit to hold your spot. And when I tell you that his spouse gave him a side eye that rivals Jada to Will Smith at the Oscars, that would be an understatement. So they left. So, so they left and I said, excuse me, I'm next. And it was such a weird flex because I knew we had a reservation. And she said, yeah, so reservation, sir. And I said, the Roush family and, and uh, Vance and Kim Roush, and she looks at her iPad, and yes, Mr. Roush, you have a reservation, and, and your table is awaiting your arrival. And, and I took the table. I didn't give it to the, you guys thought I, no, 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 I'm not Mother Teresa out here. This, this was date night. This once. This is one, this is a gift card from a friend. We needed to make sure that. I'm telling you that God has a reservation in heaven for you. And if you believe and receive, you are off the wait list and you don't even have to pay the deposit because he already paid the deposit with the sacrifice of his son, the blood of Jesus. I already paid it. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept, reserved, set apart in heaven for you. 
you got to understand that heaven is a place you will inherit in the future through this reservation, but it is also meant to infiltrate your present. His promises, yes, his promises, amen. We know that at Vive Church, his promise is sure. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Heaven just doesn't exist in your future. Heaven can occupy your now because heaven is in your heart. You got to understand that God is not neutral towards you. Every day you wake up, it's not as if your performance determines his promise. No, no, no. My Bible says his mercy is made new every morning that this is the day that the Lord has made. You are not on neutral ground with God because if this is his day and his mercy was made fresh for me this morning, I'm telling you his promise is not based on my performance. He's not neutral towards you. What, when, when, when we were growing up in Sunday school, they almost got it right because they would tell us that justification is just as if I had never sinned. <laughs> but that's just half the story because it is your sins are forgiven, but it's also an imputed righteousness that he puts on you that is foreign from this world, but now you have in possession. See, see it's like you had a debt an overhanging debt that you could not fulfill. And justification is not just a clearing out of the debt. Justification is as if God made a holy bank transfer that likened you to a spiritual billionaire. That's what justification is. Because you know what he transferred? Eternity. You know what he transferred? Heaven. You know what he transferred? Abundance. You know what he transferred? All the gifts that we find in the Bible. You know what he transferred? Heaven. That's now in your heart. And why am I laboring on this point? Because if you understand that you have heaven, you now can fulfill your mandate to bring heaven onto earth. Awakening people to the reality of Jesus and bringing heaven to earth is what our mission is, is what our mandate is. We put it on the front of the building so that everybody would know. You know the Silicon Valley needs you? You know the Bay Area needs you? In business, the prototype, the archetype of the killer, the shark, the intimidating intellectual, that persona has had some success. But we see time and time again, especially in the last few years, while that has success, it cannot be sustained. 80% of the top Fortune 500 companies in the last 30 years have left the top Fortune 500 companies. While the Church of Jesus Christ remains 2,000 years later. People are starting to look for a better way. Leaders are looking for a new way. Innovators are looking for a more sustainable way. Builders are looking to build in a better way. I met a serial entrepreneur this past week, and 
He was one of the executives that took LinkedIn, the company, public on the stock market back in 2011. And recently, in the past decade, he also then started one of the most influential fintech financial technology companies in the world that does personal wealth management for millions and millions of people. Just recently, he got an offer from somebody to purchase his company for a billion dollars. And because he's in financial technology, he had heard about my company, Overflow, which was such an honor to be able to hear from him. And he reached out wanting to have coffee. And we're in Los Altos at the Starbucks. And I was already judging them who drinks Starbucks. But anyways, that's not about that. <laughs> but we sit down and it was so funny because the first thing that he says was, we miss Vive. And I said, that's interesting. What do, you, what do you mean? He's like, I'm on the board of the Jewish Community Center, the JCC Palo Alto, and we miss Vive. And I was thinking, you miss our revenue. But, <laughs> but he goes on to say that Vive was such a light to our community. Vive brought so much life into the space, and, and we miss Vive. The things that you continue to do, Vive Church, continues to reverberate in different circles that this man is part of and has ripple effects that he's hearing about, even though we don't occupy that space anymore. He's an engineer by trade, and he's considered one of the experts in product and user experience. And through the course of our conversation, he bids me the ultimate compliment. He says, Vance, in my 30 years of building and angel investing, I've seen hundreds of products, and I've seen quality products, and your product overflow is in the top of my list in terms of high-quality products and platforms, but more than just the product, tell me about the proverb. I said, come again? I was pretty taken aback to, to understand that he had known so much about our company. He said, tell me about the proverb that this company was built upon. I said, well, yeah, I mean, Proverbs eleven twenty four. we read in scripture that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller and he responds to me saying, that's it. Stories move the world. We need companies built on principles, not just profit. We need companies that, that have people that are thinking about first principle truths, that's it. The Silicon Valley needs you. You have the answer. You are the answer. People are looking for a better way. The Bible is a better way. Receiving justification means receiving your inheritance. Number two, receiving justification means receiving his involvement. I could get the band back up. We'll close with these last two points. What happens when you know you have an inheritance, but you're facing infertility? That's what we find in the story of Abraham, God promises him a son, but him and his wife Sarah couldn't conceive. What happens when you are trying to birth a kingdom business, but it's not getting off the ground? What happens when you are believing for financial freedom, but you cannot seem to get ahead? What happens when you are trying to save for a house, but interest rates keep going up? What happens when you desire that baby so bad? but still haven't seen breakthrough. 
Kim and I were talking about this the other day because if you know a little bit about our story, when we started our marriage for just a little over four years, we struggled with infertility. And it's been a blessing to be able to talk to others that we now found in this similar journey and to be able to just share stories and share in the struggle. But how many know that it's different when you're in the messy middle? Because in the messy middle, I don't know how many times from really great people in our life, I heard that God's timing is perfect. I don't know many, how many times when I heard that he's just building our testimony. Can I be really honest with you? In the messy middle, there were some vulnerable moments where we verbalized we don't want this testimony anymore. We just want the baby. We just want the promise. We were standing on his word. He said that we can be fruitful. He said that he had this for, we just, we didn't want the testimony. We just wanted the baby. And you might be saying, well, Vance, that really doesn't sound like faith. Can I share with you that God can't bless who you pretend to be? Faith is not believing harder. Faith is not manifesting. Faith is not positive talk. Actually, you got to understand this. You didn't even bring faith to the table. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking at Jesus, the founder, the originator of our faith. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Justification by faith means that only Jesus can justify and the faith that is needed to activate it comes from him too. So faith in the messy middle isn't about sucking it up or just being better. Or even, sometimes we say having more faith. Can God increase your faith? Can God strengthen your faith? Absolutely, but, but if we understand that whatever faith you have left came from him, and in the process of whatever you're in, he's perfecting it, it'll change your whole paradigm. Yes, God has a promise, and maybe his promise for you is a baby, but the totality of that promise is not just the baby, but the type of parent you will be. The promise is not just a spouse, but a marriage that will last. The promise isn't just a job, but a purpose to be fulfilled. And ultimately, the promise is not restricted to your hopes, desires, and dreams. Whatever he comes to pass, he just wants you to do it with him. With him. Justification by faith means getting him involved. In whatever situation you're going through, the ups and downs. I said we were at a wedding yesterday, and it's so good to be refreshed on what a vow really means. Better or worse, richer or poorer, sickness and in health, till death do us part. Except with God, not even death can separate you from his love. Not even death can break his promise. Not even death can make you isolated from him when you're in Christ. Receiving justification is receiving your inheritance. It's including him. It's getting him involved. And number three, and I'm gonna close with this, receiving justification means you are now inseparable with God. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. You are inseparable with God. Because if we revisit the passage that we had when we read about Abraham, it says this, 
continuing on in verse eight, after we learn that Abraham was considered righteous for his belief in God, simply just that, belief in God, it says, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it, referring to the promise. And God says this, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over and against the other. He, he laid the pieces down before God. He, he, he gathers the animals, he slaughters them, and he puts one half here and another half here and one half here and another one here and one half here and, and a pile of blood in the middle. And, and you're probably wondering, this is a weird story. Well, to Abraham, it was normal. Because if you understand Middle Eastern custom, this is how they did covenant. They had many different covenants. You had a salt covenant, you had a sandal covenant. You would make a promise with each other and it would be sealed by putting some salt in a bag and giving it to the other. The problem with that is if they just wanted to break the covenant, they'd give you the salt bag back. So the highest form of covenant was a blood oath covenant because you could not put the animals back together and you could not give it back saying that whatever we establish in this promise whatever we establish in this covenant I cannot renege on <laughs> and so it says in verse 17 this is crazy the sun had gone down and it was dark behold watch this a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your offspring I will give this land. What just happened? What just happened? Because if you understand the custom, what happens is that the greater king would typically walk through the blood path first. And then the lesser king or whoever was being conquered or whoever was pledging their allegiance to that king would then go second. And it was signifying that if either of us break the code of this covenant, let what happened to these animals happen to me. Let what happened in the destruction and the slaughter of these animals, the sacrifice in these animals, if I break that code, if I break that covenant, let it happen to me. And so the Bible says that that smoke went through the blood path. And we know from the Bible that smoke oftentimes is a representation of God. Smoke is, is seen in the scripture as when God's presence went in the tabernacle, when God's presence went on the temple, in the wilderness, there was a cloud of smoke that led people out of the wilderness. So smoke, the presence of God, went through the blood path. And then, and then I could just imagine Abraham. He's like, okay, cool. It's my turn. No, no, no. Because then fire... And the Spirit of God is represented by fire, isn't it? That there were pillars of fire in the desert, that at the day of Pentecost, they were filled with tongues of fire. Meaning that God went the first time, <laughs> and then God went the second time. 
Why is this so important? Because what God is trying to tell Abraham is that I made a promise with you. I made a promise to bless you. I made a promise to have you have a son. I made a promise that so many stars, that's how many descendants, that's how much impact, that's how much influence you'll have. All you have to do is obey my commands. But God didn't even trust that Abraham could do that because humanity has shown that we can't do that. So what does God do? He goes over once and then he takes Abraham's place and goes in his place. What he was saying is that I am swearing by myself that even if I don't fulfill the covenant, which that never happens, God always fulfill his promise. But if Abraham doesn't fulfill the covenant, that he will die in behalf, that even when humanity doesn't listen to the commands, even when humanity breaks the code of the covenant, that God sent Jesus, God sent his son, and, and just like the animals were destroyed, just like the, the animals were sacrificed, Jesus came down and said, I will be the ultimate sacrifice. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.